Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, June 26th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace, they offer you Mongo databases, it's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Rye Walker. <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys. If you listen to it at 2x speed, it probably sounded really weird there. Yeah, I was wondering what the hell's going on with your voice. I've been, so I've been playing with Overcast because uh, I listen to like Entreprogrammers, which is a little long. Mm. Their episodes clock in at like an hour and a half to two hours. Right. And so, you know, I try to listen while I'm running and getting an episode in means I got to run like four times a week or something. A good thing. But so I started playing with like speeding up podcasts. And, yeah, I turned that button on on Overcast. Yeah. And then you can you can tell it to do like the... The smart clipping, too, to get rid of the pauses, I guess. <laughs> you know, I hire a guy. So if you listen to this, he cuts out all the ums, ahs, and awkward pauses. Um, kind of nice. He does? He, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he does. <laughs> He's going to kill me. <laughs> all right. So this week, we've got uh, some interesting news. We're going to talk about faster blades. Blazing blades. Neo4j, scaling down on reactivity, the web after tomorrow, and Percolate got acquired. This is like, this is big news today. So we'll get into that as well. That one happened right as I was putting this list together. I I had a different story in there and took it out and put this one in. So yeah, let's talk about Faster Blaze. This was interesting. So I saw a tweet, you know, from Airnota. It was like early morning his time, I think it was. And uh, you see this tweet about like, oh, I'm working on an experiment with Meteor. You know, I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering what could this be from Aeronota. And then later that day, he just posts a link and says, experiment success, you know, and it's a video that he shows off Faster Blaze. And there were two interesting things in here. So I haven't had a chance to look at Kadira Debug yet, but he shows a little bit of that. So that looked kind of interesting. And then on top of that, essentially what he's doing is uh, caching the template itself and so code that runs in there gets cached as well so basically he's got to show you the difference he's got a a page that renders like 10 items in a list and he loops over them puts them on the page and it's not being driven by a ddp subscription or anything i think it might take a little bit of work to get that done but subscription caching as well like these two things could combine together and get some real performance but in the video it goes on to switch it to like 10,000 items on the page and you can see like it takes a couple seconds at least to render the page once it gets that large and then he clicks into another page and then clicks back to the main page and it's got to sit there and churn and re-render the page and so instead he's built this cacher i think it was called in the in the video and you just tell it what template you want it to load and my guess is it's just like saving that template in memory as already rendered so when you come back it'll render it for you 
pretty fast. You know, he was able to, once he turned it on, he was just able to go back and forth between the links and it was just like instant rendering. So it's smart. I'll, I'll give him that. I'd be curious to see like, what's the memory usage before and after on the client because the, like a blaze client is, is actually pretty thin, like, you know, nine, 10 megabytes. So I'd be curious to see that. Yeah. I didn't play around with this or, or even watch the video. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I tried to, but it was playing audio right over the podcast here. So <laughs> do you guys use, uh, the subs manager at all? I'm sure they are. I'm not, I'm not using it in the projects that I'm working on, but mm. I know some of the guys at differential are. Yeah. You know, it's along those same lines, I think where you're able to tell that the template or the, the DDP data probably hasn't changed. So you're like able to reuse that subscription yeah. and not have to repull all that stuff into memory. Yeah. It's basically the same idea just for a template. Cool. All right. Let's jump over to um, the next article by Sam Korkos. Yep. Meteor plus Neo4j. The idea here is to connect Meteor to a Neo4j database, which is a graph database. Luckily, his brother built a package. That's nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you have brothers building packages that you can rely on. So, so the C, C Corcoros Neo4j. Chet, uh, yeah. Chet, yeah. Chet packet. Chet uh, Corcoros. And, um, you know, he just kind of talks through how to connect your app to Neo4j, uh, which is, I'd say, the leading lightweight graph database. If you need that sort of functionality in your app, definitely beats out the performance of traditional relational or NoSQL databases for that kind of uh, application. Have you used Neo4j, Josh, on anything? I haven't used Neo4j, but, you know, it's one of those things that I wish I I would have known about or, you know, I don't even know when Neo4j kind of hit a wider audience. But back when I was creating uh, something similar to what David's building where you kind of analyze, like you give me three Twitter accounts and I would analyze who follows them and try to figure out that overlap, you know, and like literally just building that, that overlap graph. And that was probably the hardest thing because if someone put in like uh, CNN or someone put in like my wife wanted to find readers on Twitter. And so she put in uh, JK Rowling, you know, and like, that's a huge account. And even just storing a million IDs in a table and then trying to do some kind of like overlap graph with a million IDs can be kind of tough to do. And so this was back in Ruby days. And so the comparison would, would get kind of hard to run because Ruby just couldn't handle that much data in the memory and it would like crash and fall over or it would just consume enormous amounts of memory on Heroku and then Heroku would kill it. And so, yeah, I think something like Neo4j would make a ton more sense for figuring that kind of stuff out. So, yeah, I I was just checking my, searching my email for it. And I asked the internet on Twitter in November, and what are the cool kids using for graph databases? And Josh Owens responded, Neo4j. <laughs> you remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember that. that so this, is, is not our fir- this is not our first Neo4j interaction. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. I haven't had any personal experience, but I will say this. Uh, Sam is part of the patrons. So we do an hour of coding every month. And this month we actually, this was like days after the article came out, we did our pairing and uh, we did, we, we wrote some tiny tests for the package. And so he really wants to see this thing grow. And, you know, we had a conversation that tests are a good way to 
kind of indicate that you guys at least care about the package long term. So we did that. And it's a pretty slim package, honestly, after looking at it. It's just using uh, HTTP under the covers. So he's just making HTTP calls to the Neo4j database. So it's not reactive per se, but I think that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a REST API style interaction, so. Yeah, yeah, and you can always like aggregate that data into Mongo if you cared about it being reactive or something on the front end and just run it every couple minutes or something. Yeah. All right, get back to the list here. Scaling down, let's see, what's the full title? Scaling down subscriptions and reactivity in Meteor. So this is from our good buddy, Max Savin, Mr. Meteor Toys himself. He's he's on this quest that like live query is a bad thing and it's gonna like kill Meteor. I don't know that that's true, but he, he's definitely like looking for ways to eliminate live query from some parts of your application. And funnily enough, you're gonna talk about the the next story, the web after tomorrow, which talks a little bit about like reactivity in PubSub, and they have a good graph on that page. And I think that graph kind of is a good example of what what Max is trying to get at and that's some parts of your page care about real time data and other parts of your page maybe care about sometimes updated data and then other parts of your page are just static. I think the, the static pieces, uh, you know, I've seen people do this, you know, they create like a site copy collection or they create some kind of like data structure that's coming from Mongo and it's being shipped over DDP so they can control things through the database and I, you know, you don't necessarily always need that. And so he's created this, this fetcher, which works with uh, Meteor's reactive dictionary. You're able to kind of set data and, and let it come across and it's not necessarily using live query, right? Like it's just, it's one time mm-hmm. shipping across the wire rather than like using live query, which if you don't know, is it's got expensive overhead to kind of keep track of that data on the server. And even if you turn reactivity off, there's still like that memory is consumed on the server side, even if not on the client side. I get that not all the data needs to be real time, but life is simpler in a world where you just interact with your database in that way. I would agree until maybe your site gets slower or you want to maybe squeeze out an extra bit of performance. It definitely seems like one of those, like, I don't want to say edge case, but definitely like something that you'll get at much later in your development cycle. Yeah, if it's part of performance optimization. Was this driven because of a performance issue or was this driven because of an just an architectural opinion, you know? like Yeah, I don't know that I've ever really gotten to the core of what his issue is with uh, live query. We've never had like a deep talk about what, like what made him think it was really broken. You know, my guess is like, honestly, you look at Oplog, right? And like the Oplog back pressure situation mm-hmm. that you deal with, I think is along those lines, you know, like the server realistically can only do so much before you kind of run out of yeah. some kind of overhead CPU or memory. And it's better to minimize that when you can. Yeah. Yeah. So one strategy to solve that would be I like the idea of like pushing the data into a different database, different Mongo if necessary, but like that's kind of what Kadir is doing. They're moving the high velocity data out of the primary apps database and into something. Yes. I like that, that approach more than I like this, for example, but, but I could see how this is, you know, if there's just like a, you need a bandaid on something that's just really breaking your performance. This is probably a pretty neat solution. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, there's, there's some stuff that I think you could use this for. Like, exactly. Uh, he, he shows, like, get menu for the burritos, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. the menu data, it's not going to be it's not going to be real time. Like, yeah, right. You don't necessarily need someone to know that you added, you know, the fluff and nutter burrito to your menu right away. Like it's okay if they'll see it on getting to your store or, you know, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It's like, but then, you know, it's a premature optimization because it's not causing a performance issue the way it works now. Now if it's causing, is it causing a user issue? No, because it takes the same amount of time for the data to get there. So he just like he just likes the idea of of um not asking the server to do stupid work, you know, which it is in this case. Yeah. <laughs> just keep maintaining that for the every all of these clients and you have a thousand clients and there's a thousand copies of a menu that's never gonna change. That's yeah. you know, for me, I scale up to another server in the short term. It's like kind of the DHH philosophy of, you know, servers are more are cheaper than programmers. So very often, true. <laughs> optimize for programmer happiness and feed. very true yeah, yeah i'm kind of curious too right because this article is very much like uh coming from an advice standpoint rather than like uh here's my experience and why i did it standpoint so mm-hmm. we'd be curious to hear yeah. max what led to this yes follow-up post mm-hmm. <laughs> all right next topic this one me uh, this one's me mm-hmm. the web after tomorrow sounds like a movie a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> Hall is going to come after us. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the web after tomorrow. So it's kind of interesting. This is a, looks like a closure guy. Cause at the end of it, he says, I think this would be a good thing for that. We can use cloture with. Well, he does. He does mention meteor as well. Saying, yeah. That- yeah. In the middle, he says like meteor is getting really close to doing this, but going to the premise, he's basically describing like a real time <laughs> web system, very similar to meteor and how you might approach building such a thing. A lot of philosophy there, and then he finally realizes, like, oh, Meteor's pretty much there, but I think, again, you know, people love using the tools that they, that they know, so he envisions a way that he can make this happen using Clojure, and let's see, what was the other, the other pieces? I don't, Datomic, I don't even know what Datomic is. Datascript. The thing I enjoyed about this article, though, is just to kind of, just to hear someone thinking through the problem that Meteor is has solved in a lot of ways. I mean, again, it's not a perfect solution, but um, right. it's kind of a fun like realization that other people are, are, are starting to hone in on this type of thing. I mean, you can look at action cable and rails and what they're trying to do, right? They're, they're trying to figure out a way to approach this as well. And, you know, I, the thing I like about Meteor is even though they're creating new standards, they're, they're at least adhering to standards, right? And the mm-hmm. problem is, I think when you look at some of the other solutions that are out there, there's no standard to them necessarily. It's just kind of like, oh, hey, look, we've got web sockets. Let's just figure out how we're going to serialize and deserialize on both sides of the socket. And maybe we'll do something interesting with that. And, yeah. and so like, it got murky to me when I was watching the, the, the Rails keynote and, and DHH was talking about it. And he's like, well, sometimes we'll just ship data. Sometimes we'll like, ship HTML over the web socket. And it's like... That sounds terrible. Like, how am I supposed yeah. to know when to do what? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like, is it up to DHH to tell me when I do what? Or like, I, let's just have a standard and 
we can get some nice interoperability here between frameworks and that could be very, very interesting in my opinion. So that's, that's one thing I definitely applaud Meteor on is uh, trying to at least create something here. I think, you know, the question just becomes, and I've talked to Matt uh, DeBergalis about this before, like, you know, he says right here, I can't find any information about consistency or reliability guarantees or how well the server pushes scale with number of subscriptions. You know, I think some of that data is dependent on the application itself, right? So Kadir is very different than Telescope or, you know, if I just go write a Hello World app with no real data behind it, like I can scale to millions of users with one server, you know, like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter. So I think the conversation that needs to happen in the media community is for people measuring DDP performance and, you know, what are the different ways we can scale it up and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, and obviously like the growing base of apps and, and as they become more mature, we'll create pressure for that, that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool though. It's like meteors, the, the grandpa now of this whole <laughs> movement. I'm sure a lot of people will be looking to it for inspiration and, and I'm sure there'll be ideas that pop out that we can bring back into Meteor too. So. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see things happening in React, and yep. I don't know, there could be interesting things that come back to Blaze because of it. So. Yeah, yep, totally. Cool. All right. And with that, you know, one way that Meteor can learn about what needs to happen and, and get better is through them actually now offering, what did they call it, Meteor Developer Subscription? Yes, Developer I, Subscription. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, maybe maybe not the best name, I don't know, but <laughs> M- MDS, uh, that's not bad, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to get the MDS from MDG. So basically, they, they went and they hired uh, Percolate and brought them, folded them into the team, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very interesting move. As far as I could tell, it caught everyone off guard. I don't think anyone kind of knew this was coming. I guess maybe some people did, if you read the percolates announcement maybe like chris mather and and sasha knew but everyone else i've talked to was kind of like blown away by this and 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 definitely intrigued and you know i I think it puts an interesting wrinkle into the developer community right the people that are professionally making money off of this because now number one like we have a place to go if we have questions and maybe we can get them answered in a timely fashion which could be interesting, depending on the cost, right? We don't know what that is. I've said this a couple of times, I think. The Meteor team doesn't really build Meteor apps. They occasionally will take some time off and do something, but they don't spend their days building Meteor apps. They spend their days building the framework. And I think there's some slight disconnect there because they'll put something out and then you don't really catch all the the edge cases, in my opinion, because... Like, for instance, I've been having some weird problems with Xcode and Cordova, and I think because they don't ever submit anything to the App Store, they probably have no idea that these bugs exist, you know? I think this will be a good thing as well, because they'll have people that are, like, Tom and and Zoll will actually be looking at a wide variety of applications, not just even the four that they may have previously worked on as a small company, Mm -hmm. you know? So. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to get basically the people who are going to come to them are going to be the hardest problems, most likely, right? Because if that's it's typically the case, I think with any any technology, if you if you're buying a support pack from the makers of the technology, it probably means you're approaching enterprise size. You know, you you just need that level of support. 
I think it'll be kind of cool that they're going to have a good visibility on the hardest problems that people are facing in Meteor being so close to the, to the actual core team, the dev team should be, a, I think it should be a good thing. I think as Meteor grows, this type of service needs to exist and for them to allow just like let the community handle it in an unofficial way ad fidelum, you know, is probably not a good thing. You know, like big companies, here's an example. We, we, we did connect with a company that one of the terms of the deal was introduce us to Meteor. We're like, we want to, we want to be able to talk to those people. And like, really there was no one to, to introduce them to that's going to be highly responsive, you know, cause no one, that was no one's job. Right. So I, I think, so I think like in this case, like, sure, here you go. <laughs> talk to them as much as you want. Here's, here's the, uh, here's the deal on how you can have a relationship with Meteor where they have resources available to take care of you. Yeah. Yep. To me, I think you have to go after the high end client, like you mentioned, because you can't hire top level developers and uh, you know, this is officially their first product, right? So there's probably going to be a lot of eyeballs on how many people are hiring them and what kind of money is coming out of that. So I, I've got to imagine this is going to be a, at a higher price point. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't include that here. So we're, we're just kind of speculating, but my guess is, yeah, it'll definitely be a lot higher end of the market. You know, to your point, they've grown from 19 people to 31 now, according to this blog post. So they've been expanding rapidly and they, they will continue to expand uh, rapidly. I think in the coming months, yeah. You know, you see uh, they hired the VP of uh, marketing and now I hear they're, they're maybe getting a new VP or something else. So a lot of interesting stuff happening yeah. and the hope is they'll, they'll get more responsible on a, on a lot of these things as they offload Jeff and, and Matt's plate, hopefully to focus on the core of Meteor and other people handle the new opportunities and that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. so the biggest question is what happens to Atmosphere? Oh yeah. Well now atmosphere would be an internal project of meteor. So. Right. Right. And uh, from my conversations and understanding is they always plan to do some kind of commercial thing with atmosphere, either through ads or through private package hosting or something, which is one of the reasons it wasn't open sourced. So now, you know, is that, is that going to continue to maybe be an offering on the radar or are we just going to see atmosphere open sourced? Uh, so that the community can contribute and do something with it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to be continued. We don't know. We'll see Indeed. what happens with that. <laughs> well, we, we said it on a podcast now, so they've got to do something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but wow. this is, either way, I think this is pretty exciting news. So kudos yeah. to, to both MDG and to Percolate. I hope it's exciting times for them. Certainly seems like it from, from our vantage point. I'm sure we'll we'll know more as the weeks go on. Maybe we'll get one of those guys on the podcast. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe I'll have him on the Meteor Club podcast or something too. So yeah. yep. in-depth conversation. Yeah. So That's the end of our list, isn't it? Yes, it is. So uh, I know you've been working on Astronomer. Are you going to mm-hmm. like talk about the alpha? So Greg, uh, Greg Neheisel, if you guys know him, uh, he, he, kicked serious ass getting a lot of it done we got we got to the point now where we can test it with live meteor apps so if anyone wants to reach out to me riotastronomer.io be part of our private alpha uh, we're basically saying don't use it for production just yet but we should be a few weeks away from that bottom line is it's it's a it's a way to automatically instrument your app for uh, user analytics so not traditional google analytics which is just you know 
what pages are getting hit and where are they coming from, but more specifically, what are your users doing inside of your app? So, yeah, so our package basically, in a very opinionated way, um, automatically instruments your app so that you don't have to sit down and think through, like, what are all the things that my app's doing and what, what of those events do I want to send off to analytics? So um, it's early. You know, we want, we're ready to get feedback on how to make those event names better and, you know, all the different techniques we're using to collect them. But it's an open source package, too, so hmm. anyone can contribute to it. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll be bugging you, uh, Josh, and I'm sure a lot of you in the community will hear from me in the next few weeks. <laughs> nice. nice. I apologize in advance, but it's, it's ah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's interesting because uh, that stuff's always kind of like hard to figure out, you know, and, and you yeah. and I had a conversation offline. It's like, for me, I don't want to go figure out mixed panel and segment and all these other plethora of tools that I have no idea what I'm doing, you know. And, right. Um, and then even if, even if you do get segments set up, you still have to like go actually instrument a lot of your code to say, hey, an event happened. You know, I, I spent a little bit of time doing that in Google Analytics with the, the Mastering Meteor training page. And mm -hmm. in the end, like, I, I still don't like the solution that I came up with and the limitations that Google Analytics has because I just don't, I still don't think I get all the data that I want or need. So yeah, yeah. it would be, be kind of interesting to see how you guys have that working. Yeah, and, and we're basically, our, our, our philosophy is collect everything, you know, get all the data points rather than just collecting a, a few points. And then you can decide later on what was important. But it's nice to have the full history of everything. Someday you're going to, you know, you're going to realize, oh, I wish I would have recorded that, but you didn't. And uh, mm -hmm. you lost that data. So. Yep. Yeah, but, but I mean, the main thing is, is we want it to be as easy to set up user analytics as it is to set up Google Analytics. So and that's what we're doing. It's, it's like very fast. So for meteor developers at least and then eventually we might move outside of meteor but for now we have to we have to nail this one very well so and it's tricky honestly like there's 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 gotchas especially due to the way meteor works you know with with um, blaze and reactivity and all that kind of stuff that a lot of times the first time you set up analytics like you're kind of battling meteor at times to track the events the one you think you should track them and so all that stuff will be built in all the solutions to those problems that were built into our our tracker nice cool yeah yep so yeah thanks for giving me a chance to talk about that yeah <laughs> yeah thanks ask what how about oh we should talk about space dojo last week and then i put it up on crater on monday and i, I got i got some good you know i got a, a nice amount of upvotes and good amount of traffic i probably had like five or six hundred people hit the site so uh, i was pretty excited about that yeah. i think i've had like six or seven applications and a couple of those filled out like i've got a type form that you fill out after you apply or join cool. the, the list or whatever and i've had three or four of those kind of respond so just trying to filter down i took the you know this is an interesting move i I had the pricing on there ready to go for launch and then uh, a couple of people convinced me to take it off. So yeah. I'm still kind of feeling out what's the right price point. I kind of know it's somewhere between 800 and 1200. So dollars per code review, like one day code review. So I think by not having the price there gives you the flexibility to, to size it to the problem, you know, like if it's a two year old meteor app running 0.6, <laughs> and they come to you you're gonna be like okay uh double you need more than a one-day code review <laughs> yeah right yeah you need yeah, a team to upgrade you <laughs> but if it's someone's just started and they're like running a 
uh, a telescope instance, for example, you know, like that's a lot simpler. So yeah, I haven't had a, anyone running telescope yet, but I'm getting a lot of people that apply and they they have like one or two developers according to the type form. So hmm. it's certainly interesting and definitely like almost like a competing offering with what they announced with uh, meteor development services. Right. Cause yeah, they said they cool. do code reviews as well. So at the same time, I showed this to Pete Corey about a month ago, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. I like that idea. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he came back to me like uh, a week ago, and he's like, oh, I liked your idea. I'm going to do it for security, but maybe a little more personalized, a little less uh, productized. And so mm. he, he actually announced the same day he's doing security code reviews and assessments. So yeah. kind of interesting. They're all getting announced all within a week. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's just that season of Meteor where these kinds of services start to make sense and people realize that. And so we're, we're growing up. We're, gro- we're graduating from elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, man. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Or if we're going to do it, I don't know, Friday, it's Fourth of July weekend. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Let's say maybe not. Maybe it'll it'll be a bonus if you see something. How's that? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) All right. Later, guys. Yeah. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club. It's pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club.